Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Got all of his trail cams up and running. That's right. This guy, that's who. If you follow me on Instagram, Go Wild, or Facebook, though, you already knew that. See? You need to get on the First Gen Hunter social media bus, Gus. But regardless, it's great talking with you again. I have some fantastic episodes to drop for you very soon. A couple where I was just totally blown away by the content some of our interviewees were laying down for us. Anyway, episode 7. This is a great one too, and it's a great change of pace to a different species of game. Today, Brandon and I are going to provide a good general survey of hunting the great and majestic ring-necked pheasant. We're going to discuss some of the reasons why hunters should consider chasing pheasants, but we're also going to talk about some of the common pitfalls both experienced and new pheasant hunters may encounter and as always we're going to provide a healthy dose of tips and tricks that can help every pheasant hunter find more pheasants and hopefully put more pheasants on the dinner table for them and their families now stop mourning the long wait until the next federal holiday and let first gen hunter do the thinking for you as you endure your pilgrimage into work here comes episode seven Chasing Roosters. Hello, 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 my friend Brandon. How are you, good sir? Oh, doing fantastic. It's another wonderful day to talk about the outdoors and what we love so much, so I'm excited. Good deal, good deal. Yeah, man, this is like... I'm, get, I'm getting to the point where we've been recording enough episodes now that it's like, if if I don't get to uh, talk hunting and fishing with you um, within a certain number of days, I start to like maybe get a little cranky, a little edgy. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 nice to be able to do this on a somewhat regular basis, anyways. Yes, you need that. It's good. It's good. That's right. That's right. Well, I thought we'd start out the show for. Episode 7, hard to believe we're already there. Right. Um, I thought we'd start out talking about what's been going on lately in our outdoor pursuits. Yeah. So, any, uh, I guess we can't really say hunting news. I, I mean, you could talk about like scouting or, yeah. or um, you know, food plot prep or, or maybe you've been shooting some clay pigeons or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um or in my case, I've done a little bow fishing, which I'll talk about. Yeah. But um, what's going on, man? What do you What have you been up to? Yeah, I mean, I've been just loving the outdoors lately. I mean, this is kind of interestingly enough. You know, this time of year is kind of 
because of such the the cool spring that it's been, it kind of got bumped back in terms of like normally like I'm doing hardcore bass fishing and whatnot in May, um, but it kind of got bumped back because of how cool the spring was. So just been able to have some epic times out fishing so far. I had a couple of my personal bests, uh, just, you know, like my top three personal best personal fishing trips, just out bass fishing last couple of weeks. I was out with some good buddies, you know, uh, my brother and two guys, uh, last weekend, we actually caught a hundred fish, which was just incredible. I, I, you know, 82 bass, you know, a couple other types oh, of fish. Man. I mean, it was just, it was truly it was truly incredible. One of those, one of those trips you probably won't ever repeat. You know, my brother and I actually we caught um, sixty three, and our personal record previous to Man. that was sixty two. So we were able. I mean, it took us like fifteen years to break that record. So I mean, we were really stoked about that. Um, we got some roundup on the food plots. Um, one of the guys in our in our club, actually my cousin, was able to get that taken care of. So we're prepping that. Um, awesome. I've got some things in the works with getting uh, some good mineral licks set up for uh, the the uh, deer side of things. We get the cams out. So my goal is usually to have, usually by July 4th, um, I like to have the cams out. I'm not crazy sure. about getting them out super early, but you know I like to get them out by July 4th. That basically gives me um, about two months to kind of watch the action up to the start of the season. So that's kind of you know a quick snapshot of what's going on in in my neck of the woods. I am trying to get a date night together, so I have uh, a little bit of fishing with my wife there planned. You go. We were going to do it recently, but you know because some storms kind of got in the way, so we're planning to. I try to get out there and, and, you know, one of the things I've realized, uh, you know, about having a young family is, um, it's not always possible to incorporate your family into all the adventures that you do, you know, when they're, especially when the kids are young. But, um, you know, in talking to my wife, one of the things I think that we're trying to do more is, um, incorporate family into things where we can. So whether it's a date night, whether it's taking the kids, you know, sure. bluegill fishing, you know, uh, just going for a walk in the woods and kind of showing them, you know, just where daddy hunts, things like that. You know, it just is really nice to be able to try to incorporate the family into things because the more the family is bought in and doing things together, the better it is. Um, so we've been kind of, you know, work in progress with that. So that's a quick snapshot of everything that, that I've got going on. How about you? I know you've been doing some bow fishing and different things. What do you got going on? Yeah, I've, I've, uh, had, I would say a fairly active late spring, early summer or whatever you want to, I know Yeah. calendar wise and, uh, our, uh, trip around the sun wise um yes. we aren't quite officially to uh to uh summer yet right that's uh, yes right it's hard to believe i know june 20 21st is that that's yeah. summer solstice yeah, yeah. i mean it's coming up very quick yeah so technically technically i guess we're still late spring um i did finally i know i mentioned a while back when we were recording an episode that I was going to get my at least some of my trail cameras uh, mounted and ready to go. And, and, again, that goes back to a conversation we had a, a while back with yes. scouting from mm -hmm. from a remote property as opposed yep. to uh, some something local. And so I was out there, um, uh, kind of a positive thing with that. Last time I was there, my four-wheeler, notice my relatively new four-wheeler tire was flat and uh oh. so i put some air in it and i thought it was going to be a bad leak and it was just gonna you know i was gonna have to take it in to get it plugged or something and yeah 
uh, actually ended up holding there just fine for me to go and, and nice. uh, get all my, at least a couple of my cameras done. I have one that I still got to get to out there. And yeah, I picked up a, another camera, um, uh, off of a hunting discount site, um, for a re- like a smoking hot deal. It was actually a refurbished trail camera. Oh, okay. um, I'm not sure what the problem was. Evidently somebody had it before me and, uh, you know, had some kind of major flaw to it, I guess, where they yeah. sent it back in and company must have been able to salvage it. So I don't really care what the problem was as long as it still, as long as it works now. And I got it for yeah, uh, right. such a good price for a really nice camera with, um, uh, it's supposed to have a really good lens on it and everything. So I'm, I'm excited to uh, see what it's, see what it's going to do. Um, but yeah, as far as other outdoor stuff that I've done, um, you did talk about, uh, or I mentioned, I can't remember who mentioned it, (laughs) but, um, uh, (laughs) this must be why my wife gets mad at me. (laughs) But, uh, um, I did do a little bit of bow fishing. Actually, my brother, Jake, who, uh, um, was recently on an episode. Yes. He's been like smoking fish with his bow this this nice. spring. I mean, he's been going a lot, and yeah, he's he's just like one of those people who, when he takes to something, he yeah. just uh, he gets the hang of it right away. Yeah, and, and he's got an eye for that man. You, I, I have a tr- I have trouble even with polarized sunglasses. And I have pretty good vision. I don't wear contacts or, yeah. or glasses. You know, I have I have good vision, but he's able to pick up on those uh, carp and buffalo really well. Wow. Um, so far I've only seen gar this this spring and they're hard to hit. They're they're so yeah. slender, you know, like a snake almost. Right. And I was having some trouble with the sight that I or no, no, I wasn't having trouble with it. I just didn't have a chance to sight it in yet. That's what it was. Yeah. Um with the bow sight that I, I put on there and so it was all instinctive shooting and everything as best as I could, kind of like aiming down the shaft of that giant fiberglass arrow. Yeah. And um, that's not easy. No, especially on those those uh, gar. And you have to account when you're bow fishing for uh, the refraction yeah. of light, so you actually have to aim a little bit lower than what what you would think would be on the fish. Yeah. And so you know the fact that he's able to do that with such just Re- naturally regularity just, just yeah. natural with it. <laughs> right yeah it's not fair goodness yeah <laughs> but, right <laughs> uh, yeah but but we uh we've been having a good time with that or or i did the one time i i got out he's gone out probably close to five times already this okay, spring so nice. then i did uh i've done a little bit of bass fishing i mowed my parents lawn for him and i actually um brought a fishing pole along with me and and uh, uh caught a couple decent bass and yeah they got a nice little pond by their house and my son actually caught three bluegill out of there and they were his first like i I know i told you before he's he's done a little ice fishing with me and he caught some fish that way but this was like his first you know reel them in from the drink type of uh (laughs) got a little bit of a fight uh from from the bluegill and everything so that was exciting for him yeah so yeah other than that been been uh uh, kind of 
more in the planning phase for what mm-hmm. I need to do yet. I'm thinking maybe next week I'm going to go to my other hunting property, which is a good ways away, and maybe uh, camp out for a night and there take care of some some camera stuff out there. And um, nice, yeah, and and uh, get some stand stuff going, and and uh, probably do some bass fishing. There's some good some good fishing out there too. So. Yeah, now, if you were to do that, do you typically just, would you take like a tent and just, you know, camp, you know, just do the night? Is that how you would do it? Yep. Yep. Bring a, nice. bring, bring our, I'll probably convince my family to come along with, which. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, there you, you, go. you know how interesting that can be, right? Hell I, think you were, yeah. I think you were just saying something about that. Like sometimes we uh, want to do more than <laughs> what they're capable of. So right, I got to right. be careful, but. You're a brave man. It, it will not have been the uh, worst idea I've ever had. But <laughs> hey, well, you know what? It helps them kind of, you know, like like we were talking about before, getting the family involved. You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, you're spot on. That's right. Gotta gotta get them get them going early on, and and uh, you know, with uh, with my son, he's kind of getting close to that age where, you know, another probably three years he'll be not only reeling in the fish, but he'll be casting and, Oh yeah, sure. And, um, you know, uh, probably be handling his own BB gun around that oh, time. Yeah. And, and, yes. uh, so I got to make the him memories earn- are flashing back as you say that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I got to make him earn it though. That's how it was for me. You know, You're right. I'm, right. There was some kind of earning process in there, but <laughs> actually there's a pretty good story to that, but I'll save that for another day. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so like I said, the, the main focus for tonight is pheasant hunting. Um, yeah. most of the time, I mean, we've talked a little bit about, um, maybe more so in mentioning, um, we've talked about like dove hunting and I know mm-hmm. I've talked about how I want to do some work with my dogs and, uh, for pheasant hunting. And we've talked about turkey hunting and, and, um, uh, maybe a little bit with rabbit hunting and so forth. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, most of the time we've been focusing on deer and, and we've, we've tried to make that pl- very clear to everyone that <laughs> deer are our favorite, uh, animal to, to chase after. Um, so it's not really a secret, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do want to make sure that we're, we're giving some, uh, attention to some of these other species because they are so amazing and so much fun. And sure. so, uh, with pheasant hunting, I thought I would just start with, Hey, maybe we got somebody who's never tried it before. Maybe they're thinking about it. Maybe they're on the fence. Maybe they're wondering why would somebody want to even pursue a, 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 a game bird you know Mm -hmm. where you got to walk the fields and stuff so i'm going to start out by basically explaining what makes pheasant hunting so stinking fun yeah so first of all action right Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why we that's why we like hunting we like it for those moments of action now of Mm -hmm. course the the process in getting there it's kind of like going on a road trip right you yep. you love it but you hate it at the same time you know <laughs> right you're, you're it's fun looking out the windows and seeing the the countryside in different states and and the 
you know, maybe if you're heading out uh, west, see the mountains, or get, mm-hmm. getting out to that Appalachian uh, range of mm-hmm. of the east coast there, you can kind of yep. start enjoying that scenery. But overall, you just kind of want to get there, right, to, to right. do what, what you set out to do. Mm-hmm. And so hunting can be that same way. We can get a little, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, is obsessive the right term? I don't oh, know. Yeah. That, that's a pretty good term, yeah. For for those moments of action. And um, we can kind of get bored at times, you know. there's We've all been there where we've spent an entire day and maybe seen nothing from our deer stands or yep. nothing from the turkey blind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, that can even happen with fishing, you know, you can go out and it's just for whatever reason, conditions aren't right. Fish aren't, aren't responding to what you're doing. And, and, um, you know, you can, you can get kind of bored with it, but yeah, pheasant hunting and really not just pheasant hunting here. We can group in quail hunting and, and, um, I've never done any chucker hunting, but I know you've mm-hmm. mentioned you've mm-hmm. had some experience with that. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, Anytime you're you're doing upland hunting like that for for game birds, grouse, um, that's something that I have on my list. There's there's a very uh, some very small uh, patches with um, that have uh, grouse hunting in in uh, Iowa, and there and and I'm intending to been intending to hit one of them. It's not too terribly far from my house. It's actually um, one of my favorite trout fishing holes that nice. i like to go to yeah so it's a nice good sized uh wildlife management area there i thought it'd be fun to uh, take the dogs out maybe in the fall yeah. and chase after some grouse but anytime you're you're hunting birds like that if you are a um glutton for action <laughs> <laughs> you're probably going to be satisfied okay and now i again we've we've tried to define success what what is success in hunting we've tried to define that before and saying that well it's not always a full game bag or it's not always a notch tag mm-hmm. it's it's you know maybe it, you, I remember one time we were talking, you mentioned how you, you took somebody out turkey hunting, and I think it was maybe his first time turkey hunting, and mm-hmm. and that made that made your season for you when he killed that bird, you know? Oh, yeah. And so there's di- we don't want to measure success just by, by you know, having uh, the bird in hand, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's exciting when you come across a hen, and... And, oh sure. And when you're hunting wild birds, I'm not aware of a state that allows you to to uh, shoot hens. And so, I know on some like uh, hunting preserves or hunting clubs you can, mm-hmm. but but um, here in Iowa for sure, hens are off limits. But mm-hmm. so you can't even you can't even squeeze the trigger there. But it still just gets your your heart racing and you're just excited. You're like, all right, they're here. You know, there, yeah, there's sure. birds in here. Or you know, quail. Um, they're, they're just starting to come back a little bit here in Iowa. They've, they never left. I shouldn't talk that way, but their numbers were pretty down and, mm. and, uh, they've been doing pretty well here lately. I've, I come across a, a covey or two every year yeah. now when I'm, I'm pheasant hunting. So that's, that's, nice. that's yeah, that's exciting to see. And yeah. so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, 
gonna gonna be honest with you on quail hunting it's they're fast and they're small yeah (laughs) and and, i mean they're gone as fast as you see them so they can be pretty tough to hit but that's still even though you can't you 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 don't necessarily uh collect a quail by the end of the day Mm -hmm. that excitement of of flushing a, a covey of quail you know that's just that's what that's that's true hunting action right there, man. Yeah, that, sure. That gets the old heart rate up and yes, makes you feel like you're really uh, you're really doing something that's that's a lot of fun. So yeah, I you, I mean, there are times where you can go out um, pheasant hunting or, or quail hunting, and man, it, you know, usually if there's there's two things that could be. Um, that could be factoring in here that that make it so that you don't see many birds and usually that's going to be habitat um, which that's the same for hunting any species right if you just don't mm-hmm. have the right habitat the right food and cover for that that sure. uh, animal then you're not gonna you're not gonna uh, see much mm-hmm. or um, and this is probably more the case too much pressure you know if you're especially if you're hunting public ground um people are people are pressuring those birds and and uh they're either off the property um a lot of the time now or um they flush so far ahead of you that you you don't get a shot and you don't really get the the enjoyment of of seeing them so yeah i don't want to make it sound like it's always you know going to be (laughs) <laughs> raining birds on you but sure. but um it it does typically provide a little bit more action than most other types of hunting other than maybe waterfowl and dove so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's 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 a it's a fast-paced type of hunting and the other thing i like about it is you get to hunt with friends you know yeah um you, with when you're hunting with when when you're deer hunting or turkey hunting you can certainly be sharing that experience with somebody else but sure generally that's like um the apprenticeship programs that we've talked about before you know where you have to be together and and it's not actually the most ideal situation because you're not spreading out over the the whole property and you know making sure you're you're getting a good surveillance of mm-hmm. of everything that that's that's on the property yeah um, or or even with turkey hunting you know that it's, it can be nice to spread out there too if possible sure but, but actually with pheasant hunting it's better to to be hunting with with friends because you can mm-hmm. the the nature of, of pheasants and quail and grouse um is they will hold tight to uh kind of where they're nesting or or you know where they're where they're chilling out for the moment you know mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. they don't like to they don't like to move from that spot until really um the pressure of a of a predator gets pretty pretty high and so yeah um you need to have um multiple bodies in a field especially if it's going to be a large piece that you're going to hunt if you're going to get enough birds up to to really uh have a lot of chances so yeah you get to hunt with friends um i'm going to talk a little bit about uh some failures in the field here in a minute and it's more it's certainly more relaxed than turkey hunting and deer hunting in that you know you can make a little bit of noise um although i do think most pheasant hunters make too much noise Mm. and and we'll talk about that um 
you don't have to worry about scent like you do with uh deer hunting you know mm-hmm. that that can get old you know during deer oh, season yeah. where you're, you just like have to be so careful yeah and uh you don't have to worry about being seen like you do with turkey hunting you know you don't dare move and uh, because their eyesight is so good um, right. but with pheasants you kind of want them to see you you know right because that's going to get them up off the ground so yep. it's nice in that it's it's relaxed you can you can do that with your friends and then um probably actually my favorite part is i get to hunt with my dogs um, yeah man's right. best friend right yeah and, and I, I tell you what it I have found that it is just as rewarding to have one of my dogs point on a pheasant and and hold tight and wait for me to get up there and flush that bird and just and just do everything so perfectly and just watching them and their their um, instinct and training um, yes. just come together. I mean. It's like you hitting a home run versus your kid hitting a home run. You know, right, what would you yeah. say do you like better? It'd be hard to say, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and in some ways, you'd probably even say your kid. Or in this case, you know, would you rather shoot a bird or would you rather see your dog point on a hen, we'll say. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and just do everything perfect, you know. it's And so hunt, getting to hunt with dogs is just, it's so fun. And um, you the other thing that kind of goes along with the action is you aren't just sitting there. You get to move, you know, you don't get yeah. cold like you do with, oh, um, uh, especially deer hunting, but certainly if it's an early spring turkey hunt or maybe a late fall turkey hunt, um, mm-hmm. you can really start freezing, <laughs> you know, yeah. getting really uncomfortable while you're hunting. That doesn't happen when you're pheasant hunting. Um, yeah. I wear much lighter gear when I'm pheasant hunting mm-hmm. than I do, even in, even if it's say a late season, you know, January, early January pheasant hunt, you know, mm-hmm. I, you just don't have to wear that yeah, same. You're moving. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's, those are all excellent reasons for, if you're considering pheasant hunting, definitely give it a try. And I, I would not be surprised if you found that it was your favorite um, mm-hmm. type of hunting. So especially if you end up picking up a few bird dogs along the way and yeah and uh bringing them along which i'll also talk about here in a little bit but brand one thing that you have experience with that i have zero experience with and um i i do know a few people that have done this um uh there are some of these preserves around here in the midwest but I think they are a little bit more prevalent out your way, and mm-hmm. um, even down south, I think there's there's a fair amount of them. Although there's pretty good quail hunting, wild quail hunting, in some of the southern southern states. Yes. Um, but I think as far as pheasants go specifically, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of hunting preserves uh, around the country, and and in your case, there in Delaware. If you yeah. want to hunt pheasants, that's your only way you're going to hunt pheasants. And and I want to camp out on that point here just for a couple seconds. Yeah. You know, sometimes people attach this this stigma to mm-hmm. preserve hunting like that. Yeah. Certainly, there are types of of I guess maybe farm or preserve hunting mm-hmm. or high fence mm-hmm. hunting or something. Right. That yeah. I I personally. I'm not going to 
call somebody out for doing it and say, you know, hey, something's wrong with you. I, I don't think yeah. that that I, I don't I don't think that's helpful to do that. Sure. You know, sure. Um, but not I guess not really something I'm looking to do. Mm-hmm. But something like what you're talking about, where that's your only chance to hunt yeah. pheasants. Um, certainly, still a wild aspect to it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's not it's not just uh walking down a, uh you know in between two <laughs> fences the width of a, the hallway of your uh your house right and, and uh you know shooting fish in a barrel type situation yes, yes um, right so don't i guess i'd encourage you don't don't lump all of that into the same category and another thing too that i've actually have heard suggested before i haven't tried it before but i've 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 thought about uh, the, I guess, usefulness in this way before, and I don't think I'll ever do this. But, but um, someone has mentioned that it can be helpful with, uh, you know, help helping your bird dogs really develop that that birdie sense, you know, where where they're just on so many birds and it helps them kind of fine tune their, their training. And, that makes sense. And a, a preserve can, can help with that. I've heard, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I've not tried it, like I said, but I think that there's some, definitely some uh, value to, to that as well. So mm-hmm. my point is if you hear that term hunting club or hunting preserve or something like that, don't um, automatically um, lump it in with, the the most controversial forms of that i guess is what i'm trying yeah. to say and so yeah so for for our listeners who may be in a similar situation to you where there's not really an established wild pheasant or even wild quail um, population mm-hmm. near them what what is hunting on a on a preserve with pheasants really like yeah so i've i've had the the benefit of being able to hunt several different preserves and you know, i appreciate what you just said about you know just the there, there's a certainly a stigma especially in you know among whitetail hunters you know about high fence mm-hmm. hunting and and you know that's kind of the typical um farm raised animal you know etc and and that's something that i've definitely you know uh, am not into myself and I think you mentioned it really well in terms of how to view those things, but uh, you know, with a with a preserve hunt for upland game, it's pretty neat because it, it does a couple things for those of us who live in areas of the country where you know you really don't have those birds naturally. It gives you the chance to experience that, and the the cool thing about it too is if you're a new hunter or you're maybe you're a seasoned hunter and you're looking to get someone into hunting, it's a great way to allow them to experience it, um, something like that, you know, especially in our area, you know, it doesn't require like, let's say, um, there's, you know, for instance, I live in Delaware and you, there's some really good preserves in Maryland. You don't have to go and buy a, a specific Maryland hunting license, sure. which is, you know, can be, you know, out of state hunting license could be, you know, oppressively, you know, expensive oh, and, yeah. and and it's going to cause an issue with, you know, realistically doing that, you know, you get a preserve license, you can get a guy out there who, you know, is, is, you know, maybe young in on the hunting side of things, but because of the setup and the way that the preserve hunting works, it's a really safe setting. Um, you know, usually they have it coupled with clay pigeon shooting and things like that to, to, you know, kind of prepare people. Um, so it's really neat, you know, you go out there and, and typically, you know, you're going to, it's, it's, you know, really reasonable money to be able to go out there and the, the guide, you have the guide, you have the dog, you're able to see, 
the dogs go on point. You're able to see the whole process, uh, and it really gives you a love and, and really a more of a desire, and for myself, a desire to go to some of those Midwestern or Western states to be able to try the real thing, you know, to really be able to do yeah. the, the truly true wild birds. So it's pretty neat to be able to go through the whole process of being able to, you know, determine, you know, exactly what you want to do, whether it's, you know, pheasant, whether it's quail, whether it's a mix of, you know, pheasant, quail, chucker, things like that. Um, and it's, it, I've always enjoyed a mix because, you know, it makes it challenging. You know, you, you, you get to be in there, you're watching these birds flush. Sometimes you've got two or three or four flushing at the same time. And so it's pretty cool, you know, and if you got, like Ken mentioned, you know, you've got two, three, four guys out there. It's really helpful because, you know, you're having fun, you're on the move, it's a great way to help people experience hunting and have fun. I know myself, you know, kind of have a tradition with a group of people that I go with, you know, every year, every couple of years we'll do, usually once a year we'll do a, uh, uh, you know, either a hunting trip or a fishing trip. And, sure. uh, so we've done, you know, the, the preserve hunt several times and it's just fun. I mean, you're, you're out there, you're, you're hunting a different spot. You know, if you're doing different preserves and they've got different setups within the preserves, you're hunting a different spot, you're walking the field with friends, you know, you can just see, the the uh, love that people are having for what they're doing, you know, is even the younger guys, mm-hmm. you know, they're out there enjoying it. They're not sitting in a cold deer stand, you right. know, which, hey, yep. I, I'll, I'll sit in a deer stand all day long, but it's not for everyone. That's right. And so being able to give people that opportunity to get up and experience something a little different is cool, especially when, like, say, you know, it used to be years past, I know my dad would talk, you know, growing up, man, he, he they've shot wild quail all the time. Um, in Delaware and man, they had, they had the time of their lives with stuff like that. But, you know, nowadays, um, with, you know, with the, the Fox population and different things really decimating that you Mm -hmm. don't have that opportunity. So it's kind of a cool way to still get into it, still have, you know, there's not high fences. These birds are, are trained to, to, to fly, you know, you're, you're, you're really getting the real experience. You're using dogs, you're flushing the birds, you're seeing them go on point. I mean, it's pretty neat to be able to experience that. And it gives you that desire to, at some point, I mean, I would love to be in the Dakotas or, or somewhere out West trying to do the real thing. So I'm looking forward to hopefully experiencing that down the road myself. For sure, man. South Dakota is one of Iowa's neighbors. We got to go. Yes, man. I would love to do that. Yeah, that'd be so fun. Yes. You know, that that brings up a good point there where where you uh, talked about that, where you kind of, I mean, you didn't really necessarily say it this way, but you're kind of, in a way, getting a little practice for for something that you would otherwise have to travel, in your case, a great distance for right. to have yeah. the real thing, you know. Um, I guess to try and maybe put, put the put this in the comparison of something else that would be like you know saying i want to hunt elk and i live uh, and i live in iowa you know and if i if i never had the chance to um kill a deer not that a deer is anywhere near the same thing as as killing an elk sure yeah (laughs) or or even hunted in the same you know, manner, elk, mm-hmm. you know, provide more, more of an opportunity for spot and stock hunting and a lot yep. of calling and so forth. But, but there are some, some enough similarities there as far as, you know, knowing the importance of, of taking your time and really getting a clear shot at the vitals of the animal and, mm-hmm. and, um, knowing 
the work that goes into um, field dressing a, a large animal like a, a deer, you know, and yeah. now that's going to be multiplied by many times when you, yeah. when you're going after an elk, you know, if you just went cold turkey with no other, we'll say big game hunting experience and just decided to go out to say Colorado and get an elk tag and, and go kill an elk. That's a pretty tall task to just yeah. to just jump right into, especially when you start to factor in, you know, if you're traveling from out of state, so obviously you don't have, and you can't hunt the entire season. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't be out there for several weeks learning the ropes and stuff or how to kill a large animal. You know, right. it's got to be done within your vacation time. And so, if someone's wanting to go pheasant hunting, you know. There's definitely a learning process that's involved with that. And, and honestly, the first time a pheasant flushes on you, it's probably going to scare you a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure, yeah. They're large birds. It comes out of nowhere. It's totally unexpected. And, you know, just getting used to to that and keeping your cool so that you can pull off a clean shot. Yes. You know, that's, that's a learned skill. And so these hunting preserve situations can help provide that practice for something that you really have nothing else to compare to uh, in in your particular case you know yeah so mm-hmm. now there are some some places around the country like we talked about down south that have really healthy and and uh, in some ways the the best quail populations in on our continent you know uh, yeah. that that can give you that practice you know or I know up in Wisconsin they have some pheasants up there, but they have really good grouse populations. You right. Know, that's that's something that can kind of give you. It's not the same thing, but it gives you a little bit of a taste for sure. for um, hunting a upland game bird species. You know that that uh, large and will take you off guard and yeah. And uh, so yeah, when you're if you do find yourself though in a in a state like like Brandon, where you don't even have something like that to to get that experience with, you know, preserve can definitely provide provide that that valuable opportunity to before you go sinking you know hundreds of dollars into traveling across the country to to go to one of those states that do have a wild population. So yes, well said. I, I never never really thought of that till talking with you. So that's yeah, that's a uh, that's a really that's a really good point, I think. Well, well, and it's and it's one of those things too, where maybe someone you know is you know maybe someone's not sure of what to do. You know, it's a it's kind of a cool thing too, where maybe there's a preserve you know in an area where maybe there are some wild birds as well. You know, maybe someone's not sure of what to do, and it, it's been so cool. You know, every time we've gone to watch the guide do his thing you yeah. know and and just being able to watch it see it experience it i mean it kind of just really it's almost it's almost like on the job training you know and i can imagine if i was if i was in an area where there was active birds and and i thought man you know i really kind of want to get into this but i you know i don't know you know man may, let me do a preserve hunt and see how it goes i mean it you really kind of gleaning everything that you see from it watching it live in action is pretty cool to see someone who's basically a professional doing it so i mean you know like we talked you know whether you're a first gen hunter talking to someone who has a lot of experience you know what you learn from actually seeing things in action you just can't you're not going to get that same level of learning just talking or in a classroom setting you're out seeing it in action and that can make all the difference 
Yeah, that's that's a, a great point. You know, I just wrote an article recently, and uh, it was about things that, or I guess it was disasters that can happen to your, your gun dog in the field. You know, mm. kind of a serious article, really. And, yeah. And um, one of my biggest fears when I'm hunting with my dogs is when I'm hunting with somebody who I've never hunted with with my dogs, if that makes sure. sense. Sure. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, it because it's hunting's dangerous and your dogs, you know, what's what's normal hunter safety teach us? Never be in front of somebody else who's carrying a gun. Well, your dogs are in that position the entire hunt. And Absolutely. So, yeah, getting that experience hunting with dogs, that's part of it too, you know. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. you, you, you can't just um you know, not factor that in, I guess, before yeah. you do it. So that's that's really a safety thing for for the dogs. So yeah, well said. Well, let's say somebody does get into the field, and um, they're wanting maybe maybe they are somebody that doesn't have much vacation time, and they have invested a chunk of change for their out of state license, or mm-hmm. or um, I mean, even in state licenses aren't aren't free. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, um, you know, maybe they, they ha- got a babysitter for the, the weekend or whatever, so that they could do this and they want to make the most of it. Some, f- what are some failures in the field that are common to affecting the success rate of pheasant hunters? And, and we can just lump in all upland hunters into that category, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, sure. but. But the one that I wanted to start with, I already kind of mentioned, was too much noise, you know? Yeah. I think there's a decompressing feeling to uh, pheasant hunting because of the things that we mentioned with whitetail hunting and and turkey hunting where you have to be so careful with with your presence, you know? Um, Yeah. if If you don't have the right camouflage on and maintaining you know just total calm and and stillness and Mm -hmm. you know noise too when you're turkey hunting you you just won't see birds and yeah and uh if you um reek like a predator whitetail are gonna wind you and they're gonna go around you and yeah and you just won't see them so you you can get kind of caught up in the stress of that during the season when you're trying to um, when you're trying to to keep all that together, right? Yeah. And so then when you go pheasant hunting, and pretty much all of those things are out the window, <laughs> you know, um, we can almost get I think a little too footloose and fancy free when we're yeah when hey, we right. show up on the on the uh, CRP field. And so what starts to happen right away is you, you pull up, everyone's talking loud, slamming truck doors, um, you know, running the action on your pump action. Um, yeah. You know, uh, yelling at the dogs to stay close by and and dogs are, are going nuts because, you know, they, they know they're about to do their most favorite thing in the world and and uh all that chaos it alerts the birds that are close by and they're 
at this point they aren't necessarily flushing or running away from you although they some you know if you've ever seen a pheasant run they they could uh oh they, yeah they could keep up with roadrunner right oh sure yeah <laughs> they, you're right it's crazy how those things can can move on the ground but so i mean there could be some of that going on but for the most part what you've done is you've you've put these birds on high alert. And so you've almost put it into a situation as if somebody had just walked this field an hour before you. Yeah. And that's a problem because pheasants, although large birds and they do look kind of, you know, uh, you know, pheasants are a picture of beauty in nearly mm. every oh, way. Goodness, I mean, yes. they're, they're just ornate birds. Yes. But they are a little, I don't know if clumsy is the right word, but maybe a little clunky, mm-hmm. you know, when they're com- when they're erupting out of the, the CRP field. Um, they just come up out of that grass, you know, you don't really get the the impression that, wow, this thing is going to, is built for speed, <laughs> you know. Right. I mean? <laughs> but they can outrun the range of your shotgun fast and you can squeeze the trigger. I mean, yeah. They, they can if you if you fumble with your safety for a second, you're probably not going to get a shot off in time. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Now I'm not saying that to say hunt without your safety on because um, I don't think that that's necessarily the right answer either. You know, sure. yeah, you always yeah. need to maintain safety, but mm-hmm. I think that goes back to knowing your gun, right? And and shooting it enough to be able to operate yes. it smoothly. Yes. So. my point is here with the noise if these birds flush let's say at we'll say 20 yards ahead of you 20 yards is still in range you know that's that's a normal range to make a make a shot with a pheasant but once you start hitting like 30 35 yards yeah unless you're hunting with like a full choke and like a three inch shell you know yeah you're challenging. Your pellets are going to, they're going to be too few and far between at that point yeah. to knock a bird down. Yeah, and, right. and pheasants are tough. You know, the, you'll, even if you do get a few, sink a few pellets in him, he's probably going to keep flying and you're never yeah. going to, you're never going to catch up to him. And yeah. so what you want to do is get him to where he's flushing in that, that <clears throat> maybe even as low as, and I've had this happen five to 10 yards, you know, if yeah. they're, if they're at that point, you have more time to get that, that gun up safety off and mm-hmm. an accurate shot fired with enough pellets headed his way to knock mm-hmm. him out of the air. Mm-hmm. And so if you can minimize that noise, um, both before you're actually hunting and while you're in your hunt, you know, so you're not yelling back and forth all the time. Yeah. Although I'll seem like I contradict myself here in a little bit when I talk about calling a rooster while you're hunting, <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> um, but, but when, when you take all that into consideration, I think you significantly increase your odds of, of having a, a successful hunting trip. So yeah, try to, try to keep that in mind. You know, I think, I think it's too often thrown out the window and, and um birds are birds are um missed because of it so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
The other thing that kind of goes along those lines, and I talked about a little bit, is your dog is going to be totally jacked at the start of a hunt. Oh, yeah. And, you know, other than the noise, the the problem here is one that afflicts, um, I think, a lot of gun dog uh, handlers. Yeah. And that's their dog gets too far ahead of them. And so, mm. again, we're talking here. You got that pretty narrow range of where your gun's going to be lethal. And if your dog is out 20 yards ahead of you, mm-hmm. your chance of hitting a bird that day are going to be pretty low. Pretty low. Yeah. And yeah. and so what do you do about that? Well, you can do two things, really. You can two two practical things. You can spend the time and money to get a finished bird dog, meaning mm. you, unless you are a professional gun dog trainer yourself, yeah, uh, you're gonna have to board that dog somewhere, and they're gonna have to really work with a professional to get to that level of control where they're honestly on their own containing their their own emotions going into the yeah. hunt right they're they're not they're not overdoing it so to speak with running way ahead of you they're they're more interested in okay what is my handler doing yes so that's not going to apply to many people right that's i mean i i could count the number of people on one hand that i know of that have a finished bird dog you know right right and i'm not sure it's not cheap for for those paying for it right yeah right and i'm not one of those people most other (laughs) people are gonna are gonna fall into probably somewhere around where i'm at and that's where um i've done uh all the training for my dogs on my own Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and i've had a fair amount of success with that and yeah and but i certainly i couldn't go enter my dogs into a field trial I couldn't, you know, I, I, my, my dogs have nowhere near the level of training that a finished bird dog does. So I got to come up with another solution here. Yeah. Now, first of all, when you're training a bird dog, you got one of the first things you got to train into them is a reliable recall. And what that means is they come when you call them, right? So you got to be able to do that. But mm. if you're hollering the whole time, now you're back to our noise problem, right? Where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're just screaming at dogs. Yeah. So one thing that I will do is I will, before I get to the hunting area, so um, I do a lot of hunting on my grandparents' farm for pheasants. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. let my dogs run for a half an hour before I go hunting just around the yard. Just get, yep, get burn that out energy. That, yep, burn mm-hmm. a little bit of that energy off. Take the edge off for their excitement mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then take them to the field and that kind of, yeah. that, that does help. And so that's, that's another practical thing that, that you can address with and will yes. help you, um, find more birds and your dog's going to be more focused too when they're not so, so, uh, jacked up, you know, they'll, right, they'll right. be slowing down, taking their time better, making sure they're working the scent right and everything. Yep. So, yep. And then here's one that we've talked about before, Brandon, with not just pheasant hunting, but being in shape as a hunter, right? Um, Makes a difference. Yeah. 
when you're deer hunting and you have a deer on the ground, <laughs> that, that's when you re- that's when you remember how hard hunting can be physically, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it's funny because you know, in in that type of scenario, you know, I know. I know older hunters who, you know what, if they were younger, they may have shot a deer, but you know, that day in particular, they're like, you know, eh. I didn't feel like having to drag that thing all the way back to the truck versus, you know, us younger hunters, we're like, oh yeah, hey, we're all about it. But you know what, even some younger guys, if you're not in shape, you know, you're talking about, you know, pheasant hunting, you're, you're putting on the miles. I mean, you know, you are doing yeah. a lot of walking. It is not easy. And so the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, you in some cases you're trying to keep up with the dogs. You know, I know yeah. when I've been out, you know, similar type set of what you're talking about, you're trying to keep up with those dogs. Maybe they've got, especially that first half hour, they have got some pent up energy. They are running around and you're, you know, you're not doing a super leisurely walk. You are, you are hustling it to stay, you know, stay up with them, make sure that they're in control. So, I mean, it, you, you've got to be on your P's and Q's with being in shape. Otherwise you're just going to have a miserable time because you, you're going to be panting. You're going to be out of breath. You're not going to be prepared for the shots. I mean, so you've got to, you got to be on the top of your game with that. Yeah, for sure. What, when you walk through pheasant habitat, it is not easy. I mean, it's right. not, it's not like you're walking on the sidewalk, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. The, the thing for me that always gets so exhausted are like my hip flexor muscles, you know, right mm, there. Yes, yes. They, they just from taking those big strides to knock down those huge yes. tall clumps of grass and stuff. Yes. And that, that does get exhausting or sometimes they'll, they'll like to, uh, kind of nest on the dry, dry clumps of grass surrounded by a little bit you know kind of muddy or a little bit wet i guess you'd say Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. grass you know in creek near creek bottoms and stuff and yeah that can wear you out too walking through some of that stuff you know can be really really uh uh bumpy and and filled with holes and stuff and so Mm -hmm. yeah being in shape will like Brandon used an excellent example there where, yeah, I'd like to kill that deer, but I couldn't get him out of there. You know, that's, <laughs> right. you know, having that, being able to maintain that hunter mindset yeah. is closely tied to our physical condition. So mm-hmm. you got to make sure you're in shape and your dog too, you know, yeah, if your dogs sure. are like my dogs they're I call them a gun dog or a bird dog, but usually they're a living room dog, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, so, uh, uh, if your dog is a is a full time uh, family dog and a part time hunting dog, like mm-hmm. most dogs, you got to make sure you're couch potato. That's right. That's right. You got to make <laughs> sure they're getting their exercise in too, and so that they can not only just keep hunting but maintain that hunting mindset, that focus yeah. to yeah. to accomplish what we're here for. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something else too, along, along those lines of using, uh, or helping your dog, uh, maintain that focus for, for searching for birds that I found is affected a little bit uh, with my dogs is it's better to, uh, in general, I have found hunt into the wind. Mm, Um, now if it's like, if you're talking like, you know, 30, mile an hour inline winds sustained you know <laughs> that yeah, might, oh, that might not that might not be the case then right but yeah right. but uh if there's a decent little breeze going it just seems to help the dogs pick up the scent a little bit when this mm-hmm. when the wind's blowing into their face as opposed to away from them yeah and 
and uh, you know it's just carrying those scent molecules right to them a little bit better and they they seem to pick up on birds a little bit better that way so that could be a tip too well and you know it's interesting that you mentioned that because from my experience from just seeing guides you know similar to like you're out in the field you know you're basically your own your own guide you know me seeing guides out you know they've done that very similar thing and then you know what's interesting with that too is when you do that if you're if you're moving towards the bird and you're flushing the bird um, you know, any take the, the bird takes off into the wind, mm. it's going to typically make for an easier shot because that starts to kind of, you know, the bird takes off flying into the wind, it kind of floats up there a little bit, gives yep. you that, you know, that kind of that nice shot versus, man, if it's taken off with the wind, that thing is gone in a yeah. shot. Yep. So that kind of makes it a little bit nicer for that shot opportunity as well. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yep. Kind of almost treats it like a parachute on those wings, you know, just yes. like you said, it just kind of pauses it there for a second. And yep, that's, yes. that's honestly that moment, that, that moment, right when he's peeking out of his flush mm, is mm-hmm. that's the best time to get your shot off. Yes. So, but also the hardest time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, which is good though, too. That means pheasants stick around for us. So yeah, well said, well said. They're, like you said, they're a tough bird. Hey, all you listening friends. I hope you're enjoying episode seven. Good change of pace from our normal whitetail talk. You know, we, we try to we try to have multiple species on here that we discuss, but Brandon and I are just so stinking obsessed with deer. Anyways, pheasants. Pheasants are just as cool as deer. Just, in some ways, a lot of people probably think even more fun to hunt because you get to be really active while you're hunting them. But... Our tip of the day has to do with the moment when you've hit the bird in the sky. And with pheasants, and even with a few other species, it might seem like that's going to be the conclusion of the hunt. But oftentimes, it's not. In fact, when a rooster drops out of the sky, you will most likely be experiencing some serious tunnel vision. That heightened sense of awareness to your game, you just you're just solely focused on that bird as it's flying and there will be that natural release of that focus once you see the bird drop you just feel that relief of oh good i got the bird well not yet you don't not till it's in the game bag so you're gonna have to kind of view this as buck fever it's gonna be something you have to kind of block out and focus on more than just that one moment as we mentioned in this episode pheasants will seemingly disappear from existence once they are injured and on the ground if you can maintain a visual though your chances of finding him are significantly greater and if you have a dog your chances will be even better yet but you're gonna have to trust your dog or dogs to locate the bird and that trust needs to be paired with patience sometimes it just takes a little while for the dog to get on the scent but if you are patient if you keep that visual on the last point when you could see the bird you can kind of direct your dogs to the right area to begin their search and usually you will get that bird it'll make a delicious meal for you and your family and you'll get to proudly display those beautiful tail feathers on your trophy wall so keep your cool once you hit a bird 
and everything should work out as you hope. Now, back to part two of episode seven of the First Gen Hunter podcast. All right, all right. You know, hunters are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. You'll see, you'll see guys that have used the same, you know, piece of equipment, whatever it is, for like, you know, forty years, or, or they'll, <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll have some little uh, tradition that they always do, or something. You know, we're we're just creatures of habit. Yeah, and a lot of times, it's because we found something that works, right? Yeah, and so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, but one of those things that I think we can almost get into a bad habit with is with our our uh, shells that we use. You yeah, know? Um, I I went through a slump where I was just really missing a lot of pheasants, and you know. I'm a big time save your money kind of guy when it, Oh come, yeah. I, I love to find good deals on, on stuff, but the shells that I was using for whatever reason, just did not pattern well with my gun. And, um, I was missing a lot of birds that in the past I would have hit, you know, and, and, you know, maybe some of that was, I just needed more practice. Right. Yeah. But, I kind of started to wonder, I was like, you know, maybe I just need to try a different shell. Yeah. And as soon as I did that, things were immediately better. And, and so part of it could have been, you know, was I just more practiced at that point? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I do think that going away from, you know, Hey, I've been using these shells for, you know, a couple seasons and, you know, that's just what I use and like actually taking the time to think it through. Why do you use those? You know, what, yeah. what, maybe there is something that works a little bit better. And so when I did that, it, it paid off. And so, you know, take that time to both pattern your gun, you know, get a big old piece of cardboard box and put it at about that 20 yard range, you know, kind of that range where, uh, that's, that's certainly an ethical shot range, but, you're get you're flirting with it getting too far out to where you're not going to hit the bird, you know, and see yeah. see what your pellets are doing at that range, and maybe even compare a couple different uh, types of shells with it. Um, but but um, making sure you have what works best with your gun is is really important, and you know of course I don't know if you pheasant hunt with anything tighter than a modified which is essentially the stock choke that comes with your yeah. shotgun when you buy it um have you used any upland chokes brandon i've not specifically no but i i really like what you're saying with the you know the, the really being confident with how your gun's shooting because you know as a hunter i mean that's your that's your tool i mean you know you you it's you know you, you think of any profession and the the t- 
tool that you most commonly use, you know, for you to have any lack of, of, uh, confidence with it, it's really yep. going to show because, you know, you're, you're going to get in the field and you're going to have that might be that 25 yard shot or, or whatever that point is where you're like, Oh, do I shoot? Do I not shoot? And that, that has it, you know, with pheasants, you know, you hesitate for a second. Yes. And I mean, that's it. You know what I mean? They're gone. I mean, and, and what's always amazed me is big birds, whether they're, you know, pheasants, you know, you get a nice big chunky, you know, male pheasant, or even I, I'm telling you, you ever, you ever take a shot at a, at a turkey. I mean, it is amazing how fast big birds, yeah. whether it's, whether it's a big upland bird, like a pheasant, or whether it's, you know, it's a big game bird, like a, like a turkey, they right. take off so fast and you figure with a with a, a pheasant they've already got a running start you know what i mean so if you if you just hesitate ever so slightly that's that so to be able to just be confident you know hey man i can take a 30 35 yard shot feel confident with it because of the type of of you know round that i'm shooting because of the type of choke that i'm using you know and really just comes down to you know i, I i'll be honest you know, on my on my side of things I'm typically using modified, but I don't do it a lot. You know what I mean? So, right. so uh, normally what I like to do is, is try to pair it with doing some clay pigeon, uh, clay pigeon practice, um, which is, you know, one nice thing about doing preserve hunting is they usually will facilitate that. You know, you, 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 you know, you'll let them know, sure. Hey, you know, we've got four guys coming out to hunt, you know, some, you know, some of us have been a few times, some of us haven't been, you know, upland game hunting in a couple right. of years, you know, we're mainly deer hunters. Hey, what can we do? And the, oh yeah, let's just get you guys set up to, you know, do, you know, like 10 or 15 rounds a piece of, you know, some clay pigeons, you really feel confident and comfortable with it. But, but really the best way to do it is really exactly what you said. Try some different setups, try some different, you know, you know, rounds, different rounds shoot differently out of the different guns so ultimately just like you know you watch a a show like forensic files or a criminal type you know investigation show every gun has an individual pattern on the ammunition that it shoots so you know ultimately the, the real key is just go out there and have some fun you know one of the things you know easy recommendations and and one of the fun things to do is just get a get a, a you know uh, an inex, inexpensive clay pigeon shooter you know kind of one of the pool kind or really fun um, go out there with some friends you know have some fun shooting you know um, even even do some you know still shooting so you can really see the pattern that you're getting on paper um, and compare it you know take take three different types of ammunition out there you know, shoot those still targets and then confirm it sure. with some flying targets, you know, that can make all the difference with just that, you know, cause, cause for, for, you know, any hunter across the board, if you believe in what you're shooting, I mean, it makes all the difference because, you know, we talked about this hesitating or not hesitating. That's a huge part of it because if you have total confidence, it's kind of a, it's a cyclical thing. You're, you're not going to hesitate, which is then, is then going to give you a better opportunity to harvest the game that you're going after. So, I mean, it's a cyclical thing that helps you on a lot of levels. So have some fun, get out there, shoot a lot of rounds, you know, enjoy it with other people, you know, and, and just get kind of get prepared, get your head in the game and be prepared when you have those opportunities then up coming, you know, you're looking at a pheasant and, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, pheasants aren't known to be, they're, they're known to be resilient birds, but, you know, it's not like they've got 
super tough, thick skin right, like you know yeah. you would think of like a like a like a turkey, you know something like that. But man, they are resilient out there. Man, I mean, I I know myself. I've you know I've seen some feathers blow off a pheasant many times, and you know that thing is that thing keeps flying. And I mean, by the time you get a second round in there, if even if you've hesitated at all, by the time you get that second round in there, that thing is. 40 50 yards out yeah. and i mean your your chances of, of getting that thing are going way down yeah so you know just some just some good tips and pointers as you're looking to to get the best possible setup for your individual you know gun and and, and munition side of things yeah for sure you know i don't i don't know if i don't want to overstate this i guess mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. perhaps more than most other species of of uh, most other game species that initial shot that first hit you get on the animal pheasants and i mean quail are just so small that that a few pellets are going to make a difference there but yeah but but with pheasants that first shot is so important Mm -hmm. towards whether or not you're going to get that bird you know Um, now if you're hunting with dogs, uh, you're going to get nearly all of your birds, you know, cause yes. they, they can, they can catch pheasants on the ground. They can, yes. they can, uh, find them when they burrow and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if, if you don't, if you don't have a great shot on that first shot, your chances just drop so much, yes. you know, if you're going to, if you're going to end up putting that bird in the, the the game bag and one thing i don't want to i think that's over like, dramatized maybe is the right term mm-hmm. here is mm-hmm. oh that bird went to waste because you didn't recover him well it may feel that way to you but remember we've talked about this before somebody's yeah. getting a meal right yes uh, well said one of the one of the greatest things about our universe is that it cycles matter and so mm-hmm. you know don't get down on yourself if you do have a winged bird that gets away from you and mm-hmm. and you don't recover him it's not a waste okay those yeah those nutrients are going to go to to the ecosystem mm-hmm. in some way and that's yep. you know nutrient cycling is a very real thing and i think <laughs> in a nerdy sort of way a comforting thing <laughs> <laughs> well and and it's and it's funny too because you know it, it's kind of funny in in my family in myself i have a bit of a reputation as being a gunslinger like in in the sense of like i grew up you know doing a lot of the dove hunting doing a lot of uh, the goose hunting, things like that. And I've always loved, like for me, myself, like one of the things that I'm, that I've really tried to work on over the years is having a steady, a steady hand, you know, a steady sure. hold of, of a gun in terms of like shooting slugs, shooting rifles and whatnot. That's something that I'm, I don't tend to be as good at as throwing it up, being a gunslinger and firing, you know, and the, kind of the interesting thing is obviously always want to have safety first, you know, so that does come first, but you know, being a hunter, means you do take some some chances in the sense of you know if you're never going to shoot at anything you're never going to get anything so you know by pure nature you know if you're going to take chances you know which is what you want to do you want to be prepared you want to be ready and you're going to have some of those fringe shots where okay that's that's in range but you know that's that's a tough shot you're going to have some of those times where you wing a bird or you don't recover something and that is okay that's part of learning part of growing as a hunter so that's okay yep 
and it'll push you to practice more and and try to do yes. your part to eliminate those if you know if you're yes. responding the right way so mm-hmm. let's let's mm-hmm. get into some of the stuff here that Brandon's really brought up several times um which is how to practice for pheasant hunting yeah. you know if if think of athletes right athletes are probably the best example within um our, our human culture of mm. people that do regular specific practice for their their biggest part of their job which is the the relatively few times that they perform you know most of their job is practice and so how do we kind of take that approach to pheasant hunting well Mm -hmm. another common failure i guess we could say here is people will a lot of people will and maybe i shouldn't say people pheasant hunters will show Mm -hmm. up on opening day and they'll have to blow the dust off their shotgun, uh, right. you know, before they go hunting. <laughs> and I get it. We're all super busy. We, sure. you know, and, and I, I certainly don't want the lack of practice to keep anybody out of the field because I think some of that practice comes into play when you are hunting, you know, sure. it's, it's yeah. like scrimmaging and, and football, you know, it's the, it's yeah. the, the time where you get that game like experience. So, but I think if you can do some of the things Brandon talked about, starting with clay pigeons, you know, you have to develop that eye, that gun eye coordination mm-hmm. for leading a target. You're yes. not, you're not going to do that in deer hunting. You're not going to do that so much in turkey hunting. Those are going to be nearly, if not totally stationary targets when you're, when you're firing downrange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not the case when you're wing shooting. You have to be able to hit not just a target that's moving, but a target that is moving quickly. Yes. And so there's actually a couple articles that are on firstgenhunter.com, so the First Gen Hunter website, um, talking about some of the, the things you can do for better pheasant hunting success. But this is... This is one of the things that I really call out here. And I think if you're new to hunting, if you are a first-gen hunter or you're just new to pheasant hunting, and let's say you do have one of those dream hunts scheduled for South Dakota uh, coming up this fall, mm-hmm. you need to start with a predictable clay pigeon trajectory when you're doing your your clay pigeon shooting yeah and so what the reason i say that is it's just like any other science experiment scientific test right you want to eliminate variables and so the very first thing you need to do is develop that gun eye coordination for leading a target Mm -hmm. once you get that eye down for okay here's my i have a great uncle who used to explain it this way you kind of blot out the target a little bit with the barrel of the gun you don't point it right on the target but just kind of on the the front edge of it and once you and maybe even a little bit farther out than that too i mean again it kind of goes into what how fast your gun's shooting how hot is the Mm -hmm. load that you're using that kind of thing but but um you develop that that eye for um for that perfect lead on a target once you get that down which really 
I mean, some people it can it can take a little while, but most people they can get it within a box of shells, right? Yeah. They can the usually within the last uh, I don't know ten shots they're they're hitting, you know, we'll say they're going two for three, you know, and that's that's decent. If you can get to sure. to that point, you're you pr- you probably have that eye for the target. Yeah. So then once you get to that point, now it's time to start upping the difficulty a little bit because. Unfortunately for us and fortunately for them, pheasants do not <laughs> do not notify us of their planned path of uh, escape. So we need, <laughs> right. we need to be truly ready for that instinctive shooting where gun up, I respond to the, um, the flushing pheasant. I'm able to find it right away in my field of vision, get my barrel right at the, the right point of lead and Mm -hmm. squeeze off a shot you know and so start start building the complexity of your clay pigeon practice and so you might have a ground thrower well those are usually super predictable because it's a mechanism that's throwing it right yeah so maybe also get a hand thrower those are super cheap they're like five six bucks a lot of the times and and have a friend start start throwing them at different angles and mm-hmm. have another friend pulling the the ground thing every once in a while too. You yes. Know? And and really try hitting different different shots. Now, one thing I'll ca- caution you with with the hand throwers, um, you're gonna waste a lot of clay pigeons if the person's trying to do their best. Uh, um, dr- you know, uh, uh, like uh, Cam Newton impression, you know, <laughs> Cam Newton can sling a ball like a yeah. mile, you know, yeah. if if they're out there just like whipping the ball as hard as they can or whipping the clay pigeon thrower, mm-hmm. it's just going to always be out of range. And you're going to get frustrated. So make sure they yes. understand that it's got to be, you know, a, a reasonable range for your gun. Um, but yeah, having those different, that diverse practice, uh session that's gonna help you develop that skill that you need yeah yeah well said and and here's something that i know is near and dear to brandon's heart uh dove hunting is great practice for pheasant hunting not that you're you're walking a field and you're kicking birds up necessarily although i'm I, I suppose you could do that with dove hunting to some to some extent. Sure. Um, but most dove hunting, of course, is going to be a stationary mm-hmm. am, ambush mm-hmm. style, kind of like hunting ducks or something, um, yeah. waiting for them to fly over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, doves fly really fast. It's a small target, and uh, you got to learn that proper lead and... Uh, Dove hunting can can frustrate you. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh mean, my goodness! It, yes. If you aren't if you aren't on, you're gonna miss and miss and miss and miss. And so, uh, going dove hunting multiple times will help you fine tune that eye. Plus, dove season everywhere that I'm aware of happens before uh, pheasant season. Um, right. Because they're somewhat of a migratory bird, so mm-hmm. um, they're they're going to. Um, they're they're going to give you that practice before pheasant season which is Mm -hmm. really a a great opportunity to take plus it's you know you get something to eat out of it right yeah and then you can't neglect your dog's training just because your dog was doing great last season doesn't mean it's going to be an automatic roll him out and he's as he's as uh 
fresh as he was by late season last year after he had, you know, five, ten hunts under his... Right, right. I guess not under his belt, but under his collar, we'll say. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you you, you got uh, to be doing some scent recognition, you know, some of those uh, voice commands that are uh, specific to bird hunting, you know, just to help keep him fresh and, and, and ready to go. You know, he'll, yeah. he'll perform better and again more pheasants more and and just more fun you know when things are are working smoothly so now here's something fun to talk about this is what it's all about right mm, we got mm-hmm. the we got the game on the ground right yes now i did mention beforehand uh making a rooster call now I, i'm not saying that uh you have to try and replicate a ro- uh, a pheasant cackle because a, a pheasant cackle is one of the most obscure noises. <laughs> it's like impossible to try and replicate, right? But what we're talking about here is what a pheasant flushes, especially if you're hunting where you can only shoot roosters, which yeah. again, I think is everywhere outside of a hunting preserve situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's helpful if you're hunting with others to give a rooster call, you know? <laughs> And right, then you might you might feel like uh, uh, let's see that uh, what's the name of that movie? Uh, True Grit, you know, Rooster Cogburn. Oh, you might, yeah, you might feel yes. like Ned Pepper down there in the valley yeah. calling out Rooster <laughs> Cogburn, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just yell out Rooster because what that does is it helps it helps um, everyone else uh, be ready to roll when that bird flushes and get that shot off in time because as we've try to stress so many times they get out of range so quickly and if they're trying to Mm -hmm. figure out is that a hen or is that a rooster um that just flushed you know off to the side of me a little bit if they hear that rooster call they they know it's a green light and they can uh go ahead and um uh squeeze the trigger so yeah yeah now birds on the ground okay we Mm. we make a clean retrieve hopefully um I strongly suggest you pheasant hunt or especially quail hunt with a dog. In fact, um, I know there's plenty of people that do it without. And, um, you know. That's so challenging. Yeah. I I just think that I'm not going to say it's wrong by any means. You know, I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's not my place. But mm-hmm. I just think your chances of getting of recovering that bird are extremely low and this is Mm. something i had no idea about until i had a pheasant on the ground Mm. i mean you see that bird it's big it's got crazy colors technically it's an invasive species so it's not like it's naturally camouflaged to our landscape you know as 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 something that that uh kind of came here on its own and has made a living you know we dumped them off here we imported them from from, i think china is where where uh right the pheasant species that that we hunt here Mm -hmm. the ringneck pheasant the so you don't really think that they're gonna do so well camouflaging but they do and that's part of the reason they've survived here they've done so well in in north america you know they literally even though you got a bird that's as big as a football if not bigger Mm -hmm. when you start looking Mm -hmm. at their tail feathers and everything they totally disappear i mean 
it's you're true. not going to find them. There's mm-hmm. just no way. They mm-hmm. burrow down into that grass, and yep. I, there's been times where my dogs have found the bird, and they're snooting around at it, you know, with their mm-hmm. nose, and i got to, like, pry grass away to be able to find that bird that's dead yeah. and laying yeah. there, you know? And so... Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's not even just like they're still alive and they keep moving away from you every time you get close. No, they're right. cold, cold dead and yeah. you can't hardly find them, you know. Yeah. So dogs, though, on the other hand, um, I think I remember in the interview with uh, my brother Jake, uh, he talked about a pheasant that my brother-in-law and I both hit. And that bird took off, I'm going to say... I know Jake said 100 yards, but it was probably more like 300 yards wow. from, from where we were. It ran, yeah, in like yeah. no time, too, you know, just to show how fast there. It's an injured bird yeah. and it ran that far in a matter of 30 seconds, you know. Yeah, it was, right. It was, it was fast. Um, but 300 yards away, you think we're going to recover that? No way. Well, it was all dogs. Yeah. And and sure enough, from 300 yards away, uh, my male pinpointed it within a few minutes. And and so you can either go from an impossibility to, mm. you know, this really incredible thing where <laughs> the, dog, yeah. the dog finds it within a couple minutes. And, oh, man, that's and awesome. So there's only been actually one pheasant that I've killed where I didn't need a dog to help me find it. Yeah. I knocked one down over a cut bean field, which is like basically knocking oh. one down in a parking lot. You oh, know? nice! Yes. Yeah, it stood right out. But, but um, otherwise they are they are masters of disguise, masters mm-hmm. of of escape and and elusiveness, and and you you will lose that bird so often if you don't have a a, a bird dog with. So, am I saying you need to go out and buy one? No. Not at all, but maybe, uh, you know, if you know a guy, you work with a guy who's got some bird dogs, might be a good way to build a relationship with him and yes. and friendship and ask if he, if he wouldn't mind if you tagged along hunting or maybe you have access to some family ground that has some pheasants on it. Invite him, you know? Yeah, and, sure. And uh, maybe you, you will find out that, yeah, down the road, maybe I would like to get my own bird dog. So I strongly suggest for those clean retrieves, you have a bird dog. So let's say you get to that point. You know, you've got the grip and grin photo out of the way. Mm-hmm. You've, mm-hmm. You, you're feeling like a million bucks because you got a rooster or two in the bag. What about field dressing? Well, we could try and talk you through that here on the podcast. And I don't know if that would be entirely productive. And it would probably drone on for a while. But <laughs> once again, go to firstgenhunter.com. And I, in writing explain that to you a little bit Mm. and uh that that should be helpful for for figuring that out um i i'm planning to uh eventually next time i get a pheasant uh if i remember i'll try to uh do a video on the first gen hunter uh youtube channel and kind of walk you through how i do it not that my Mm -hmm. way is the necessarily the the right way so to speak but it definitely works i've been very successful with making quick cleans of uh of a pheasant with and and uh nice. haven't broken any teeth on pellets yet so that's been good there you go <laughs> but, but uh <laughs> but um the thing i want to focus on here is 
one of the coolest things about a pheasant is so much of it is useful you know mm. um i think on the continuum of how much do you get to use from the animal after you kill it mm. i think frogs are on the lowest end you basically cut mm. their back legs off and the rest yeah, is right. total waste um uh, but pheasants, I would say, are kind of on the other end, you know, mm. where not only do you get a lot of meat out of them, but I clip off the wings and save the wings, freeze them, and I use them for training my dogs for scent oh, recognition. Oh, there you go, yeah. So so the, the wings are excellent for that. Um, I've plucked a whole bunch of the feathers and saved them in a Ziploc and used them for for uh, fly tying. Um, oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, For, for trout fishing yeah. or, or even pan fishing, you know. You mm-hmm. can use them for that, for little crappie jigs or something. Yeah. Um, the tail is your trophy, you know. Mm-hmm. Think of uh, like a fan on a turkey. Uh, yep. You get those long streamer uh, tail feathers. Uh, cut yep. them right at the base. Kind of make sure they're all grouped together, and they'll, they'll kind mm-hmm. of be like a, you know, almost like a single meaty piece there, where you just kind of cut right at the the bot the base of the body there. And mm-hmm. um, it actually worked out well for me to just let mine kind of air dry and harden in my garage. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not. I kind of got lucky with that. I'll admit um, that can that can kind of go south on you actually if you try to. Uh, use that method so um what's you know l- do some research i know some mm-hmm. people use like uh, i think it's a uh, borax to kind of do some mm-hmm. of their own you know light taxidermy work of course you can yeah. take it to a taxidermist or whatever um <clears throat> but those are just a few uh, uh things you can do i actually even uh, kept the uh um spurs off of one uh uh, pheasant that I that oh, I killed cool. and brought him into school to show students, you know. Oh, cool. Wait. Yeah, yeah, kind of morbid, but also cool, I guess. But <laughs> you, you can get away with the morbid when you're a biology teacher. You were right. That's true. That's well said. <laughs> well, have, have you had one mounted completely, or are you thinking about having one mounted no, completely? No, I, I, I haven't done that, but it's a funny story. I should have. <laughs> yeah. I. It was it was an awesome story. Maybe I'll I'll write it out sometime in an article yeah. just about um this is probably probably my most meaningful hunting moment mm. I, don't, I don't know if i would it might tie for my most favorite you know killing my first buck that was just such a special moment you know something i worked so hard for and finally oh, yeah made it, it was able to make it happen but but um i i killed this pheasant with my grandfather and i actually flushed the bird um i I knocked it down. It was a mm. big rooster. I mean, I didn't realize how big this rooster was, but he was giant. And we lost him. Oh. Finally, my male uh, bird dog found him, flushed him again. And he took off running. And um, my grandpa put him down with uh, his his uh, Browning uh, 16 gauge. And, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, that was, that was a special moment. You know, all three of us counting yes. the dogs participating in it like that and I, of course you know I, now i need to write out the article and elaborate more specifically on the events yeah. but but um the point is that bird 
I didn't realize how big he was because I was still pretty new to hunting then. And I ate him, of course. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and, but I kept, thankfully, I kept the tails on him. Nice. And I started seeing, like, at Bass Pro and others, you know, some friends of mine, I think, had some full body mounts. And I was like, wow, that rooster that Grandpa and I killed, that thing was way bigger than these other birds wow. i kind of started to realize that eh, maybe you should have full mounted that thing you know <laughs> but uh he tasted good so uh yeah right that, that's the most important part and my brother made me yes. this really cool uh he's big into woodworking both my brothers are actually and um yeah not jake but my middle brother luke who uh, hunting is the last thing you would ever find him doing or fishing for that matter but oh, okay. but he loves okay. me so he made me uh he made me uh this really cool plaque at uh to nice. um, yeah it's shaped st- you know by now that I love my my uh, home state here in Iowa so he made me this cool yes. Iowa state this cool Iowa shaped plaque of the state of Iowa and Very and cool. uh yeah so it I mounted those tail feathers on there, but yeah, so you can get the trophy out of it. And then of course the meat and, and, uh, um, pheasant is really delicious. There's all kinds of cool recipes you can find out there for different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's the best part right there is getting to eat the, oh, yeah. the literal, uh, you get to taste the hard work, right? You get to taste yeah. the, the the hours of training with your dog you get to taste the the time spent at the range shooting clays you get a yep. you know all the and, and all the stories that go into that so yes there's there's so many reasons to love pheasant hunting we'll talk about it far more i'm sure as time goes on but mm-hmm. but um if you're thinking about it this year, you know, start putting in some of that summer prep work now. Brandon mentioned so many good ways to do that and start start uh, figuring out. Maybe you don't even have a gun yet and you're just like, yeah, maybe I should get a shotgun, you know. Yeah. Start looking into what you want, you know. A lot of people really like the, the semi-autos mm-hmm. um, that the, or a lot of times people call them the automatics where mm-hmm. um, they'll self-reload on them and mm-hmm. I I like the pump action just because it's kind of yes. kind of the you know r- the fun of running the the action out there and, yes. and the romance of it again right. Um, some people go even even more basic and get get out a their grandpa's old double barrel. Oh uh, yeah, side by side, you know that mm-hmm. that that would be so much fun too. I got a friend who hunts like that. Um, yes, but but. Uh, you know, start doing some research into what you would like, you know, and and uh, find that way. And, and man, you can you can have some fun preparing for hunting, even though you can't hunt yet. You know, mm-hmm. just by getting out and shooting clays. And then September will be here before you know it. That Labor Day weekend, get out and start start uh, knocking some feathers off some doves, and and uh, um, you know, start to start to get get the uh mindset of of a pheasant hunter there and and no time and who doesn't want to get out and you know kill a little stress and shoot the gun a little bit so that's a good good thing to do this time of year yeah for sure for sure well brandon as always man is a it's 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 a privilege to talk with you and it's oh it's uh, a lot of fun to just be able to uh 
bounce some hunting ideas off someone mm. and and well, uh, and it's and it's honestly made me just even talking through it you know made me think man i'm excited to get out and do some you know pheasant hunting again you know at some point you know i'd love to get you know my old group together and do something around here or you know even better travel out west and and you know do a, a wild you know pheasant hunt something like that but you know it's just a it's awesome to be able to enjoy different facets of hunting you know we talk about deer hunting a lot but then these other facets of hunting which are great because it does mix it up it helps you be a well-rounded hunter you're learning different things we are in the field you know you're for you know a whole lot different when you're talking about you know running and gunning and and you know getting used to leading a bird versus you know you're sitting stationary in a deer stand so it's kind of cool to become a well-rounded hunter and doing the you know accessing these different types of hunting allows you to do that so something different to learn in each one of those and sometimes you know you can be a uh, you can be a seasoned hunter in in you know something like deer hunting but maybe you're like a first gen hunter in another type of hunting you know so like for for me like i'm i'm newer to that side of things so someone like kent man i'm like you know he's he's a lot more experienced than me in that area so looking forward to learning you know and have learned even just from talking tonight some different things so it's kind of cool how you know what sometimes you can be inexperienced in 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 one area inexperienced in another that's why you're helping each other teaching each other so that's that's just another part of that brotherhood sisterhood of the outdoors that you enjoy for sure for sure well said as always you always have like this great like uh i don't know sagely advice at the end of every episode <laughs> It's all the white. It's all the white hair coming out in the beard now. That's right. <laughs> oh man, yep, yep. That's right. Some 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 things have pretty tail feathers like pheasants. I just have a lot of gray hair in my beard, so that's all I got. <laughs> well, what was that episode where I was like subtly trying to uh, talk about old hunters, and you yes, gave you right. gave me that word experienced or whatever seasoned yes, seasoned yes. Seasoned. Yeah. I mean, seasoned, seasoned like a nice tasting <laughs> pheasant. <laughs> um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, well, man. it's been a pleasure and definitely looking forward to, you know, uh, getting outside of the, uh, you know, normal thing of the deer hunting and all that type of th uh, stuff and, and getting more into the bird side of things and, you know, continuing to enjoy all that the outdoors has to offer. For sure. For sure. And with that, we'll go ahead and uh, shut her down here for Episode 7. Thanks again, Brandon, and looking forward yeah. to talking to you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Anyone else totally fired up to feel the cold autumn wind on your face and hear the explosion of a flushing pheasant? I hope so, but we still have time to wait, but you can use your waiting time to tune into the cool stuff Brandon has going on at thehuntfishlife.com, and also check out the First Gen Hunter social media pages, as well as firstgenhunter.com, where you will find access to a lot more First Gen content. Also be sure to get outside and do that summer scouting work that is so important for learning your property better and how the game like to use it. Take that information Brandon and I have been bringing you each week and start applying it now in order to receive the payoff in the fall. Shoot your bow, trim the shooting lanes, practice setting up your new stand, but most importantly of all, take care and take someone hunting.